announcements or greetings, let's uh, keep Brother Philip in prayer as he would minister from the Word of God. Before we open God's Word together, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father and Lord God, we thank Thee for this opportunity we have to gather in Thy house to worship Thee. We thank Thee for each one who's gathered here with us this morning, for we know that it's so important that we gather together around Thy Word in a company of believers to see what Thy Spirit would have us learn from its pages and what He would speak both through and to us. Be with those that could not gather with us this morning. We know many are uh, under the weather. Many uh, are constrained by other reasons. We have those who have chronic conditions and even those whose conditions are, are uh, deteriorating. And Heavenly Father, we want to lift them all up in prayer unto thee this morning, knowing that thou, wilt, thou art able also to provide what they would need, how they would need it, and in a way that would strengthen their souls. Heavenly Father, be with us now and bless us through the reading of thy word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned something in passing last Sunday afternoon when I was assisting Brother Simon, and uh, that particular passage has been on my mind and heart, and I'd like to read it with the Lord's help. It's found in Acts, the 16th chapter. Acts chapter 16, and I'd like to begin reading with the 16th verse. By way of context, just so you understand what's happening, um, it seems that Luke, uh, Paul, and Silas are now in the city of Philippi, which was a principal city of that part of Macedonia. It was a Roman colony. Uh, many ex-Roman soldiers retired and settled there. And um, this is now a, a place of outreach and evangelism for the Apostle Paul. Luke is, of course, writing, but you'll see Paul and Silas mentioned. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were go was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. 
and the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light, and sprang in and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the words of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. I've read to the end of the chapter. Let's kneel for prayer. Loving Father in heaven, O glory, honor, praise, O blessing be unto thee, the Lord God most high, the one who formed us from the dust of the, of the earth and who breathed in us the, the breath of life through our father, first father, Adam, And so we also are here through the first man that was ever upon the face of this earth, your prime of creation. And yet as he fell, we fell with him. And as he sinned, we also sinned. And we come unto the one that's able to deal with our sin. And not just our sin, the guilt, but the power of sin that is upon mankind. And we come before thee, first of all, to give thee thanks for the way of escape from sin. To those that have not yet known thee, the way is the way of the cross. That as Christ was crucified, we would be crucified with him. That as Christ was buried, we would be buried with him in baptism. And that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory and the power of the Father, we would also be raised unto a newness of life, serving thee 
worshipping thee, giving thee all honour and glory. O Father in heaven, and this is one reason we come together, to hear your word. It is the power of God unto salvation, the gospel story. As we have read this morning, as we have read of the account of the imprisonment of Paul and Silas, and as we have read of the great salvation and deliverance that they have had, O oh Lord, we pray that many more would seek to be released from the bondage of sin, that many more would see that sin is corruptive and destructive, and in the end it leads to eternal death, eternal separation from the Father, that there is a life after, that there is a, a world to come for those that believe and trust in Thee. Father, we pray that those that are within hearing distance this morning and those in other churches and countries throughout this world will realize that the only salvation that they can have is through Christ, who's the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we thank Thee for that we can be here today, that we have the health and the strength to... to Come together as commanded in your word, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But we also know that there are those that cannot be here that are also tuning in through the technology we have. And those that cannot hear at all because of their circumstances, their physical circumstances. We pray that you would be with each and every one of them as well. That you would visit them through closed doors that they will feel your presence and that they would see that the Lord is good and has not left them nor forsaken them. Father, we pray for the sick. Lord, we see, Lord, that this life is very short and that we are affected by the infir infirmities of the flesh. We pray for Sister Lydia and for her family. We pray, Lord, that you would give Sister Lydia comfort and strength and if it be your will that she fully recover so that she could talk once again to her family, that you could see her children and converse with them still and they can have a chance to, to be with Omar and hear her voice again. Father, we pray that you would comfort the, the church who has lost a mother to this disease. We pray that she would recover from it. We pray, Lord, that you would give them strength from above to continue serving thee and worshiping thee joyfully. Father, we pray for those that are amongst us who are also affected with the infirmities of this flesh those with cancer, those with suffering and pain that is even, even inexplic inexplicable at times. We don't know where it comes from or why. But we pray that you would comfort and strengthen them, that you would give them hope in this present time, that you would 
Revive their spirits and give them courage and they may feel your presence, Lord, the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for those that are shut in, have been for a long, long time, those that are incapacitated and need help and support, that you would visit them and comfort and strengthen them, but not only that we would ask thee to do so, but that we would be willing to be your hands and your feet, as we heard in last week's program, to visit the sick, to comfort the comfortless, to visit the lonely, the widows, the orphans in their afflictions, and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Oh, Father, this world is catapulting to disaster. There are so many catastrophes, natural, what they would call natural disasters, but Lord, we know that they, are, they could easily be acts of God, that you have allowed them to happen, that you have said in your word, return, ye sons of men. You send them to destruction, but then you cry out, return. Return to the Lord, for he will have mercy and abundantly pardon. Help them to realize that this world this life is not just physical, but if it, this life only we have hope, we are the most miserable of all men, and we need Christ in us, the hope of glory. Oh, Father, we come before thee now and ask that you would bless this day's worship. Be with the brother this morning as he would expound your word and help us to be attentive, help us to be listening and awake, and see how we can apply the word to our lives. For we ask all of these things in the precious name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. The theme of last weekend was Leave Here Changed. And This particular account, I think, is a good case study of a real rapid change when the Lord comes into the life of someone. To go from being Paul's jailer to his brother in the faith in one night is pretty rapid. So what exactly happened here? <clears throat> I like history. <clears throat> I think many of you who know me know that. And <clears throat> the historical context is an interesting one. You probably would not find two more dissimilar men than Paul and this Philippian jailer and their life story. I'm going to take a few creative liberties perhaps with the, the background of the jailer, but considering the place, the time, and the position, I don't think I'm probably too far off on any of these. There's a good chance that this Philippian jailer was an ex-Roman soldier. Philippi was a town that was populated with retired soldiers. You served in the Roman army for two reasons. One, and the length of service was 20 years. That was your terms. You entered the Roman army. You signed yourself over for the next 20 years, and at the end of those 20 years, there were two benefits. One was Roman citizenship. 
and all the privileges that that entailed for you and your descendants. To be a Roman, you know, to go to the farthest corner of the empire, even if you were no one special in terms of your background, and to meet someone who was uh, wealthy or accomplished in the local culture but not a citizen, you could still boast that you were superior to him by being Roman and the rights that that meant for you. This man had probably served out his 20-year term and has now been given the role of the jailer of the local prison. He would have been a tough man. 20 years in the Roman army. I, the Roman army was the first really truly modern Roman army in the sense of uh, the way that we would understand the army. Promotion was not through uh, influence or money. You earned your position if you came up from the ranks. First optio, then sentry, then that was the centurion, and then perhaps even higher posts. You had to prove yourself physically. The Roman army was not an army for the woke. There was no special considerations given to your feelings. Uh, the, the, the kind of boot camp that the modern soldier goes through was very similar. It was actually began probably in Roman era where they were pushed to their limits physically so that they could be pushed when the moment came. Uh, the, the, the feats that the Roman army accomplished in its time were truly amazing. Forced marches of 20 miles in a day. Uh, that was uh, unheard of. I think it was 20 miles. I could be wrong on the numbers. But they, they often won their battles. The, the, the reference was made by marching, by having the men in the right position at the right time. <clears throat> they had modern logistics. Uh, it was, a, it was a thoroughly professional organization and at the peak of its power, unbeatable. There was a strong uh, code of honor in the Roman army. Disobedience, even when success followed, was not looked favorably upon. That's bad grammar, I know. Um, <clears throat> there was a story about a consul, a Roman consul, who forbid his troops from engaging, and his son went out and attacked the enemy and won some form of victory. And the historical account goes that his father had him killed because he disobeyed. It was that kind of an organization, tough. Why do I say all this? Conversions that are truly life-changing are really remarkable, often are remarkable because of the state someone was in before and what they changed to after. If you think about the Apostle Paul persecuting the church to becoming one of the greatest champions of the church and one of the most persecuted saints of the church is one such conversion. But the Philippian jailer, if we would consider his background, I think it's pretty easy to see that this was also a remarkable conversion. The charge that was given against Paul and Silas, they were known to be Jewish teachers. 
was that they were teaching commandments that was contrary to them being received as Romans, as their rights as Roman citizens were being infringed upon by these foreign teachers. This was a patriotic bunch here in Philippi. They looked very sternly on anything that would um, challenge the authority of Rome or their position as Romans. And it didn't take much time to get a multitude together. The magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And this sort of beating was not just a little tap. This was a thorough Roman military-style beating. They used staffs made out of the uh, out of vine, grapevine, for this purpose. They had plenty of flex, and they really stung. They were designed to maximize pain. Certain words that we have in our <clears throat> in our modern English language come from the Romans. One of them is the word decimate or decimation. It refers to the tenth, deci, decimal, etc. For a Roman <clears throat> legion that deserted in battle, fled in battle, a disorganized retreat, the punishment was to take the tenth man, they threw lots, they took the tenth man from that legion and beat him to death, that the others would learn never to flee again. The beating that Paul and Silas were received, I'm sure, was enthusiastic from the hands of those who beat them. The jailer himself may have been involved. We don't know. It says, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, I don't know how many, it doesn't say, but I'm sure Apostle Paul carried those scars with him for the rest of his life. Then they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Upon his honor as a Roman, keep these men. So he received the charge, and to make double sure, he put them into the farthest part of the prison, into the inner court of the prison, and he made sure that their feet were fastened into stocks. They were not going to have a very nice night. At midnight, it says, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. I think that's the more remarkable part in this sentence. It's one thing to pray, especially to pray when we're in trouble. Even those who have very limited faith will often cry out to God in times of distress. There's an ironic story that was given once where there was a prominent atheist, uh, Richard Dawkins, that was on a news program and they were, they were, uh, they had him debating, um, I think an Anglican bishop or something like that, and they were going back and forth and and Dawkins was being very accusatory towards the, towards the, um, the the bishop and, and, and saying, well, you don't even know the, uh, the, 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 the proper titles of this and this work. And he says, well, Richard, what's the proper title for the origin of species? And Richard Dawkins couldn't come up with the answer. And in fact, in the moment, he said, oh, God, what's the name of that? And even in, in, a, in a, a, an avowed atheist, in a moment of stress, would even think to say that. Remarkable. So prayer itself in a dangerous situation is not remarkable. But singing praises to God? Huh. That's the mark of something else. Something different about these men. And I wonder what the other 
prisoners in their thought of this. There were others in the prison at the time. I think they knew why Paul and Silas were thrown in there. One of the first bits of news that I'm sure makes its way around a prison is what charges are against the person who's been recently incarcerated. They sang praises to God. They didn't sing songs of deliverance. They sang praises. And the prisoners heard them. And the Lord answered in a way that only he can. He shook the place. The same happened at Pentecost. The same happened when the disciples prayed uh, when, uh, for Peter to be released from prison, and he was. And the church gathered together. Or it wasn't when he was released. It was when they came back from being beaten. And it says the Holy Ghost shook the place where they were assembled. It's like God's exclamation point on an event that what you've done here is right. This has his stamp of approval, as it will, as it were. The foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. I find that amazing as I think about that. Not just Paul and Silas. Liberty to the captive. All of them. It doesn't matter how shackled you think you are. It doesn't matter if the chains that bind you are thin or thick. They can be loosed. One shake from God and everything changes. There's a spiritual truth, I think, in there for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're in the inner prison. It doesn't matter if you're there on a life sentence or just overnight. Those chains can be broken. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and as a Roman, he did what was considered the only honorable thing, which was to take his own life. Suicide was preferable to dishonor. He supposed that the prisoners had all escaped. <clears throat> but he was within earshot of Paul. And Paul cried with a loud voice saying, <clears throat> Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. I'm reminded of an account I heard of a famous prison in the U.S., called Angola in Louisiana. And they've had some remarkable conversions there in that prison. In Louisiana, a life sentence means a life sentence. You don't get out. You're buried, most likely on the prison grounds. <clears throat> and there was one man in there who was serving a life sentence, and he said, I realize now that behind these bars in Angola, I'm more free than I was when I was on the outside. And I'm writing to my friends and relatives out there to let them know that they're the ones that are in chains, not me. That's the power of Christ's gospel. It changes everything, and it changes it in an instant. Then he called for a light. 
you're not ready for the light until you've come to the same spot the Philippian jailer did. The light had been there in the marketplace when Paul and Silas were preaching. He had no interest in it then. But once he came to the point of despair, the point of realization that there was nothing left for him, then the light made all the difference. Many of you have heard many sermons, dozens, hundreds, maybe a thousand, I don't know. The light will do you no good until you come to the end of yourself. Until you have tried and given up in despair. That's it. That's what conversion is. To try, to fail, and then to realize it. At that point, you are now ready for the light. Now the light will make a difference for you. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That is the logical response to anyone who realizes the truth of their condition. What must I do to be saved? And here comes the really good news. You don't have to do anything. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? What do you think that Philippian jailer would have done? He was at the point of taking his own life. Everything was up for grabs. And Paul tells him, just believe. Ah, but that belief changes everything. Where that belief is sincere, everything changes. Believe and thou shalt be saved and thy house. What happens to you will not stay with you. This man was a family man. An honorable man, I think. He must have been fair and just in order to be put into the position of a jailer, someone who could be trusted. He was definitely honorable being as he was uh, willing to accept suicide over dishonor for him and his family. But he's told, just believe. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. There is much to the Christian life. There is enough there to satisfy the deepest intellect Uh, There is enough for the most uh, ambitious missionary. But the simplicity of the gospel can be communicated in, in simple words and in very few words. He didn't have to preach for the next six weeks to explain to him what it meant to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved. It was enough. This shaking happened at midnight. He brought them out of the prison. Maybe a half hour. Maybe they talked together for an hour. I don't know exactly how long, but that night he was baptized. And in the space 
of that time, he was able to explain the gospel not only to the jailer, but to his entire household. They were able to believe and also be baptized. And then they sat down to eat. It does not need to be a long thing. It does not need to be a complicated thing. This is why the the good news of the gospel is so important that we can do and bring nothing, only our brokenness. From there, God can work. And as long as we lean and depend on Him, He will provide. And what a change. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Perhaps he had been the one that had laid them on them. Just, who knows, 10, 12 hours before? And he was baptized. Think about that. Put yourself in the, in, in the shoes of, of or the sandals, I guess, of the Apostle Paul. Preaching, being rejected, being beaten. He didn't take a sabbatical for the next six months uh, to deal with his PTSD. He was so filled with the Spirit of God that he was able that same night to both praise God, forgive the jailer, baptize him, and lead him to Christ. Incredible. A life-changing gospel. Something so far out of the field of, of human, normal, natural experience and I think if you're honest, you have to say that this is, this is supernatural. This is not normal. It's not normal to be able to do what the Apostle Paul and Silas did. I mean, someone hurts our feelings and we hold a grudge for years. To be beaten and then the same night turn around and desire not only the salvation of the one who maybe beat you, but his house as well. It would have been really easy to say, well, forget these Gentiles. We're just going to stick with the Jews from now on. These Romans don't deserve the gospel. No. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. You see, salvation had changed everything for him. It was not an intellectual um, uh, agreement with an idea. It was a fundamental change. His life, like we heard last uh, Uh, Sunday morning, had transformed like the caterpillar to the butterfly. The old had died and there was now a new creature. And can you imagine how the word must have spread to those in that town to hear what happened to the jailer now? You see, when the word of God is, is lived, not just believed intellectually, but lived. The changes are dramatic. The effects are revolutionary. Now the magistrates sent the sergeants, those that were in charge, to go release them from prison and get these guys out of here. So, the jailer relays the message to Paul. He says, all right, they're letting you off. You can leave now peacefully. And here's where the, the shock comes in. And the shock isn't so much Paul's words. I think for me the shock is when I read this again, he hadn't even told the jailer that he was Roman. This is the first time anyone outside of maybe Paul and Silas and Luke knows that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. 
He didn't start off by telling the people there that we're Romans, you should listen to us. For the first time, the truth of who he really is comes out. They have beaten us openly, uncondemned being Romans. That was a big, big no-no. For anyone to lay hands on a Roman citizen without proper recourse was to invite the wrath of Rome. Before the Roman armies, they would carry these standards that said SPQR. And it was, a, it was an acronym for the Latin that meant the power of the Senate and the people of Rome. And the Roman armies were representing the projection of that power. And much like in modern days, you know, to do something to an American citizen abroad is to invite the, the anger of the American uh, military and government. It was the same way in Rome. And the realization came now to those who were in authority there. Is they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them now. They pleaded with them that they would leave peacefully and not cause any trouble for them. Paul's concern was not for himself. There was a fledgling, fledgling church now in Philippi. He didn't use his right to get out of a beating. He didn't use his right. Perhaps the Spirit supernaturally restrained him from saying anything because in other places at other times, he did use that right of Roman citizenship to appeal to Caesar. But here it seems he was silent and don't know why, Scripture doesn't say. But now he uses this right not to keep himself from physical pain and discomfort, but to help the church. He has the other believers there in mind. And he makes sure now that the magistrates and those that are in power there will think twice before they do anything against that little church that was starting out. And the realization would be for the benefit of the believers that were there, perhaps even for the Philippian jailer, who would know the whole story. And so the word of God spread. They didn't leave right away. They made sure to go to the house of Lydia, where, where it had all started, and, and to encourage the brethren there. It's noteworthy to see, too, that the disciples were not afraid of gathering together with one who had just recently come out of prison. There was a desire, a hunger to gather together and to rejoice in the things of the Lord. Let's be the same. Let's learn from these patterns that we see in Scripture, that people would be able to identify us as changed people, not people with some ethnic alignment or cultural bent or intellectual preference, but changed people, people that were once one way and are now completely different, who operate by a different set of rules, don't look for their own rights, but instead are concerned for others. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said. Amen. Would our brother please select a hymn? Select a concluding hymn. I'm going to depart from my usual custom of letting the other brother of the closing, there was one thought that came to me that I would like to share. This morning, as we pulled into church, one of the kids remarked, wow, what a change from last weekend. You know, the church was full. Everyone came early. Benches were packed, seating only in the foyer. And, you know, of course, I'm not saying that we would want that for every Sunday. You know, when it's that full, it's 
it's nice, but that might get a little old. <laughs> and the building would certainly feel its effects. But as I think about the account of what we read together, the Apostle Paul was willing to use his Roman citizenship as a tool to see the church grow, even though it meant a beating for him. What inconvenience would you be willing to take on yourself if it meant that this church here in Toronto could grow? Would you even be willing to take a beating if it meant that these benches are full? What inconvenience are you willing to endure now? Little things, perhaps, so that the church could grow. It's a good question for me, too, because there's another part to it, too. It's not just putting up with the beating. It's also singing praise to God at midnight when no one's listening. You see, some of us might be willing to put up with the beating if it meant an increase, and we'll just grit our teeth and get through it, and that's going, you're going to see a benefit, but to do it joyfully, to have the right attitude in it. Now, there's the mark of something different. May the world know us as changed people, not just people that talk about change, but as changed people. May the Lord add whatever was lacking to what was said, and may he dismiss us also with his blessing. There's one thing I didn't say, and just allow me to add this in closing, sorry. I found it interesting that the effects of all of this to the Philippian jailer did not limit to him, but was also to his household. We can't convert our children. That's been said pretty clearly from this pulpit many, many times. But you can't discount Scripture like that as well. The little sacrifices that we make now may have great fruit, great reward later on, maybe to a generation that we won't even see. I don't know. But I think we do well to consider these things and what the Lord is asking us to do. Forgive me for going over.